Amen. Thank you, Judy. Our world has been upside down for over a year now, and yet God has never changed. God is still good. Luke chapter 9, I'm going to go a different direction. And so, I'm sorry guys, Luke chapter 9, uh, I was going to preach this morning from Luke chapter 8, and I was up reading and just kept reading, and I got to Luke chapter 9, and, and this passage got stuck in my heart, and I read it over and over and over again, and so I believe the Lord would have us look there this morning. Luke chapter 9, look at verse 23. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, I, I want to preface the message by saying this this morning, this is a message of meat and not milk. This is not for those who would say, you know, I'm just kind of a trivial Christian. I know nobody would admit that. Uh, I'm sure that you think of yourself much higher than that, and we all do. And uh, that's part of the problem. Uh, we need to come to a place of humility where we can look at ourselves as Christ looks at us and assess honestly where we are spiritually though that we might grow. And we're reminded of the Apostle Paul, and I just I believe I said this last Sunday, as he started out, he was the least of the apostles. And later on, he became uh, the least of the saints. And then even later on, as he drew closer to the Lord, he said, of sinners, I am chief. And so uh, his opinion of himself lessened over time, uh, not, not as an ego problem. Understand that. I understand that we need to have a certain self-esteem to be successful in life. I get that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about our position in Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking here to his disciples. And these disciples are ones that he has pulled aside, these 12. And the Bible says, if you'll look back in verse 18, we'll start there and, and get some context to the passage. Because I want you to understand, this is for those who desire meat. Those who are willing to take the next step. We're going to talk about the cost of discipleship. What does it cost to serve the Lord Jesus Christ? Why, why should it cost me anything? Jesus paid it all. No, there's a surrender and a sacrifice that takes place in the life of every believer if we're going to truly know eternal joy and the rewards of heaven. That doesn't mean you're not saved. It doesn't mean you won't go to heaven. But I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to know the splendors of walking with Jesus for eternity, knowing that he is pleased with my life on earth. This life is but a vapor. We think it's such a big commitment to give all this time and all of our talent and all of our energies to the Lord. Well, the Bible says your life is just a vapor. A million years from now, you'll, you'll think that was just such a short time. It was just a blink. I wonder at times if we'll even remember the time spent on this earth. It will seem so brief and so passing and we'll wonder what was all the fuss about. Why couldn't I give just a little bit while I was on earth, why couldn't I sacrifice and take up a cross and follow Jesus Christ? Why couldn't I live my life for Jesus? And so we're going to give you some meat this morning, if you would allow me. Look at Luke chapter 9 and, and read with me in verse 19. We'll get the context. It says, and it came to pass as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him. And so Jesus has been off and he's been alone praying and his disciples approached him. I would read it that way. He was alone. You say, well, there's a contradiction. He's alone, but he's with the disciples. No, Jesus was alone and his disciples came up upon him. And the reason I say that is because they've been out ministering. The Bible tells us in, in, uh, in Matthew that this was around Caesarea Philippi and they're coming back from ministering when this takes place. And he says, whom say the people that I am? They answering said, John the Baptist, but some say Elias, and others say 
that one of the old prophets is risen again. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Peter answering said, The Christ of God. And he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing. So understand who the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to. He's speaking to a group of disciples that have just returned from some missionary work and they have cast out demons, they've healed the sick, they've done all kinds of mighty works in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus asked them, who do these people think that I am? And they answer and they say, John the Baptist or Elias or some other prophet. And he said, but Peter, who do you think that I am? And he said, thou art the Christ of God. Matthew says he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But after the disciples have finally settled in their heart who Jesus was, Jesus decides it's time to give them some meat. Not just milk. These were now disciples of Christ. They were sincere followers. These were men that had left their nets left their livelihoods, left other uh, achievements of life that they might follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you of a truth. There be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, you've just simply burdened my heart this morning about this brief passage of Scripture. Lord, I haven't had as much time to dwell upon it, but I've meditated on it, and I believe that you would speak through it this morning. So Lord, I pray that you challenge some of us to take that next step, to be more surrendered and be willing to sacrifice and to give our all for the cause of Christ. It's a lost and dying world. And each every day we see more men, women, and children that are dying and going to a Christless eternity that so desperately need the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that you would help us be committed to it. Lord, that ministry that you've given us, the gospel you've entrusted to us, may, may it, Lord, be that thing that we eat and breathe and, and sleep and, and think about and dwell on, that we might be always presenting the gospel, whether in our lives, or by word, by preaching, a gospel track, whatever means, Lord, may we show Christ. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would help us now speak to our hearts. And Lord, I ask for your filling. Keep my thoughts straight as we work our way through this passage. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I think you would probably agree with me, verses 23 to 27, where we will focus our attention this morning, it certainly strikes us as being the meat of the word. These are not easy things that the Lord Jesus Christ is asking the people. In the book of John, we read as Jesus laid out several things along this lines about sacrifice and about service and about surrender. The Bible says, and after these hard sayings, many turned back and followed him no more. Of course, that is not the desire of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants us all to follow him. But he also wants us to understand what the cost of discipleship really is. We have discipleship programs, and we understand what it means to make a disciple, and we train them in the Word of God, and and we take a, a book or a Bible study, and we go through them systematically. We'll start with salvation. What is salvation? And often, we move on to baptism and eternal security, and then some of the weightier matters of the Word of God as they begin to grow and understand the Word of God. And so we try to make disciples, but we have to understand this. Once we are disciples, we need to do something with it. There's a call to surrender and a call to sacrifice, a call to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, the Lord Jesus Christ did not have an easy time. The Bible says that the first year of his ministry after he was baptized, he, was, uh, he went into the wilderness and there he was tempted of Satan. He said, well, I understand what temptation is like, not like this you don't. To go 40 days and 40 nights without eating and dedicating yourself to prayer and spending time with God. And then the devil shows up when you're at your very weakest point physically and tempts you with the kingdoms of this world and tempts you with some bread to eat and and, and, and tempts you with the power of the angels to preserve you. We, We don't understand that kind of... We're tempted to sin. But the Lord Jesus Christ was tempted in the weakest point. The Bible says he would leave the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit and he'd come into the synagogue and for that first year he would teach in synagogues and in villages and places and he would often say to people, go and tell no one. It was a year of quiet ministry. It was a year of grooming disciples. The next year would be the year of popularity as his ministry grew. And we see shortly after Luke chapter 9 that Jesus feeds 5,000 people. And understand this, if you are going to keep a miracle quiet from time to time, when you feed 5,000, there's no way to keep it quiet any longer. And Jesus grew in popularity. Then finally, the third year of his life was a year of opposition. The Bible says the Jews would conspire to kill him. Herod decided that he must die. And on and on we could go and talk about the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. His life was not easy. And as he's drawing near to the end of his ministry, he begins to prepare his disciples. And and, in the book of John, we see several chapters. But in the book of Luke, it's just smattered about. And here's one of those places. He says to them, If any man will come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. He's just finished in one sentence earlier saying that he must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be slain and raised the third day. And then he turns to his disciples and said, who's going to follow me? If any man would follow me, He must also take up his cross. The cross was a cruel, torturous rack. 
It was not just a burden as we so often like to talk about, take up your cross and follow me. And we talk about a burden that has been placed upon our shoulders. And I suppose we could make that application in some way. But the Lord Jesus Christ literally just talked about being slain and risen from the dead. And now he says, if you're going to come after me, you must deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. Are we willing to die? We see in verse 1, we notice, first of all, and I've entitled it this, I, I jotted down some things on a piece of paper as I was reading. I called it a temporary cost. A temporary cost. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I guess it was just a, a couple weeks ago, I, I think it was Bethany that was saying, uh, she, she read something somewhere that she, Bethany turned 18 yesterday and that it said on her 18th birthday she would have lived so many days. Is, is, was it Bethany was talking about that? I believe it was. And then she was trying to figure out how many days we had lived. And it was like 40,000 and something like that because we're in our 40s or whatever. 28,000, I don't know, I remember it was a lot more than what she had lived anyway. A lot of days, we're 49 or 48 this year, what are we, 49? 49, I guess, this year. And uh, so she started counting the days and the leap years, and it might have been one of your students, I'm not sure. But we were talking about that and saying how many days we have lived. But if you think about it, that's very small in the scope of eternity. Like I said a moment ago, a million years from now, I wonder if we'll even remember this life that the Bible calls a vapor, a, a fleeting memory, a time that that has passed so quickly. And I, I look back on 49 years and I wonder where the time has gone. I, I wonder, we've been married 27 years this month, and I wonder where has the time gone? It has moved so quickly. And so that's why I say it's a temporary cost. This is an investment that we make for eternity, but it's only temporary. It's only for our lives. It's only for this moment, this vapor that we live upon this earth. And he says this, if any man will come after me, let him, number one, deny himself. We see the denial of self. That's kind of the opposite of what we see in our society today. And listen, I'm not, I'm not against people saying, well, I, you know, I think we should have our rights. But when we have our rights, it's the very opposite of denying ourselves. Think about that. Well, if we don't exercise our rights, we're going to lose them. Can, can I say this? You won't lose it if it was given to you by God. Those are God-given rights. Now, if some man has given rights and he chooses to take those away, listen, we have rights with God. We just obey God rather than man. We follow God in our lives. But today in the Laodicean age, and I've said this a hundred times, the word Laodicea means the rights of the people. They're fighting for their rights all the time. And, and listen, I understand, there's a, I'm not talking about the rights of a church to have church services. We're going to do that. We're going to preach the word of God. And when they tell us you can no longer preach Jesus, we're still going to preach Jesus. Amen? That's not going to change. That is something that God has commanded us to do. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. When it's popular, when it's not popular, we are going to preach the word of God, whether it's to a full room or an empty room, and we think we have it so bad. Friends, go to China, where they change service locations every single week for fear of the police busting down their door and dragging them off to prison. Friends, uh, we might be suffering a little tribulation, but don't call this real persecution. We clamor for our rights. Jesus says, I want you to deny yourself. 
The ones that clamored for the rights of the New Testament were the ones that turned back and followed him no more. The ones that said, I don't want to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. What you're asking is too much. And so they turned back. But Jesus said, if you're going to be a disciple of mine, you have to deny yourself. What is your agenda? We'll look at that in the next verse. So we see the denial of self, but we also see it, it calls for a daily surrender. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. And look what that next couple words are. And take up his cross daily. Take up. I see that same phrasing in another part of the Bible. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Why would anyone want to take a yoke? Why, why would you want to bear a cross? It's a matter of surrender, volunteering, saying, I'm willing to bear the shame of Jesus Christ. I'm willing to take up a cross. I'm willing to die to self. I'm willing to, and listen, I'm talking about the cost of discipleship. We want this easy Christianity today. We want a fast food Christianity where we can just drive through and, and, and have it our way. I guess, is that Burger King? Have it our way. I, that, that's what we want in life. We want comfort and we want ease. And where's the sacrifice? I would love to have the Apostle Peter come and stand behind this pulpit at a missions conference and we interview him. Or the Apostle Paul. Paul, what do you think about taking some time off and having a video game night? Can you imagine what Paul's answer might be? Paul, what do you think about, well, let's have some the time off and, and uh, let, let's, let's, let's check out our investments and let's worry about temporal things. And How would the Apostle Paul, his answer would be, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not, not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. That's what true discipleship is. Being crucified in the flesh. He says, I, it's a, a denial of self. It's a daily surrender. But then we see it's a daily sacrifice. He says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. His cross. I've seen people before, you see in the news, somebody's getting arrested and they're fighting those police. And you see the riots on TV and they're fighting those police and they're running and they're, and, and they're struggling as they're trying to put handcuffs on them or what have you. And uh, that's not what this is. This is saying, I want you to surrender to the cross. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, he opened not his mouth. He never fought back. He just understood it was the will of God. What are we sacrificing to be disciples? What are we willing to give up? So many times where we struggle even to make it to church. Because there's other things more important. We struggle to read our Bibles. We struggle to pray. We struggle to worship. 
We'd rather criticize those that are worshiping God than being a part of God's worship because we're not willing to sacrifice. I don't dare say, praise the Lord, somebody might look at me. I don't dare raise a hand for the people who think I'm crazy. Hey, let them think you're crazy. When they nailed Jesus to the cross, they wagged their heads and they reviled him and they mocked him. Who cares what they think of you? You answer only to God. It's a temporary cost. It's only for this life. But I see also in verse 24, he talks about our temporal concerns. Those things we're concerned about on this earth. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. What is our temporal concern? It's the preservation of self. Jesus is illustrating here, there are those out there that are trying to preserve self. They're trying to save their lives. They're trying to conserve something that's important to them. Listen, I know we all have our causes and we all have things that are important to us, but friends, listen, it's, it's funny how we, we, we stand up and we will, I, I'm meddling and I understand I'm meddling. You can get angry with me all you want. I don't care because it's what the Bible says. We march downtown about stores being closed during a pandemic and they're murdering babies in the womb and we do nothing. What, what are we thinking? What is our purpose? We're concerned about ourselves. We're so selfish. And Jesus said, if any of you will save his life, you're going to lose it. If that's all you're concerned about is the preservation of self. And he says, here's but what you should be concerned about in your temporal concerns. Verse 24, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall Save it. We're concerned about the preservation of self when we ought to be concerned about the purpose of the Savior. And look at the application he makes in verse 25. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? Let me read that again. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away. Paul said he kept himself under subjection lest he became a castaway. Subjection means subject to the Savior, subject to the will of God, obedience and following Christ. We fight and we fight and we fight. And you say, what are we going to gain? Well, I'm going to gain my rights. I'm going to gain the world. God says, what if you lose yourself? You lose your testimony. That's what a castaway is. One who's lost his testimony. One who cannot be effective for God. He's been cast away. Like the, the vine and the branches and the branches that are withered and God casts them into the fire because they're not concerned being, about being engrafted to the branch. We see our temporary cost and we see the temporal concerns. But I, th I think he gives us some timeless cautions as well. Look at verse 26. For whosoever should be ashamed of me, of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory 
and in his fathers and of the holy angels. But I tell you of a truth, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. Notice the caution here, verse 26. Whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words. He said, well, I'm not ashamed of Christ. This shame, word ashamed here in, in, in the Greek literally means to hide your face from. It doesn't necessarily mean that if somebody were to say to you, do you go to church? Yes, I go to church. It doesn't mean that. Are you a Christian? Yes, I, I believe in Christ. The word ashamed means that when you're out in society, you hide that identity from the world. They may find out and they may ask you, but you're hiding that identity. You're ashamed to, to be known as a Christian. And, and you say, well, I don't, I don't feel that shame. I'm not embarrassed by it. That's not what this word means. It means to hide from. To not let the world see. We're talking about the, the city that is set upon a hill. The Bible says it cannot be hid. It talks about hiding our light under a bushel in that same passage in, in the Beatitudes or in the Sermon on the Mount. And we understand to hide a, a, a light under a bushel, the light cannot shine. It does no good. That's to be ashamed. And he gives us an eternal truth here. He says our focus must be timeless and our focus must be eternity because when Christ comes... He'll be ashamed of you. Now, I don't know what your goals are in life. It's funny how we work so hard for earthly glory and we care very little about eternal glory. Now, I, I don't want to get to heaven. And listen, it's, when you get to heaven, it's not all about you. As a matter of fact, just the opposite will take place. You have to take your crown off and cast it at the feet of Jesus. It's, it's all about him. But when he comes in glory, he says, I, I, I certainly don't want the Lord to be ashamed of me. I, I don't want him to hide me at the back somewhere when presenting to the Father. When the Bible says that Jesus gathers the kingdoms of this earth to himself and he's redeemed all things unto himself and he takes it to the Father and presents us spotless before God, I don't want to have to be hidden in the back because he's ashamed of me. I want him to be pleased. He says, is that possible in this life? Mark chapter 8 gives us the par one of the parallel passages of the scripture. In that verse, that verse where it says, For whoever shall be ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man be ashamed. In Mark chapter 8, verse 38, it literally adds this phrase, For whomsoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. You say, oh, but they didn't have it as hard back then. Are you kidding me? They died for their faith. In 21st century Christianity, when we hear the phrase, take up thy cross and follow me, we think, let's, let's pick up the burden of the gospel. Let's share Christ with somebody today. Let, what, what a difficult task it is to reach the nations. While we sit in an air-conditioned auditorium and sing with state-of-the-art instruments, and oh, it's so tough. Life is so hard. When the disciples 
heard Jesus say, take up your cross. And their hearts are thinking, you mean that thing the Romans used to crucify people on the edge of town? That's what you're talking about? That's what it means to be a... Hey, can I tell you this? It means the same thing today as it meant then. Willing to sacrifice, willing to die to self, willing to surrender our temporary concerns that we might understand there's an eternity to be had to bring glory to God. Listen, I, I, I'm not interested today in rebuking people over their stand. I, listen, one of the wonderful things we have because we're children of God and God has given us freedom in Christ is you're allowed to have an opinion no matter how misguided you might be. You're, you're, allowed to, you're allowed to do all kinds of crazy things in this world because God is so full of grace that he's allowed us so much, so much that we don't deserve. You can be as crazy as you want to be or you can be as steadfast as you want to be. The choice is yours. And I'm not here to rebuke you over your opinions. We all have them. I'm just saying let's be scriptural about it. Let's go about it in the right way. I would dare say that if the first century church had an issue with the government, I don't see a parade anywhere in the Bible. What I see is a people of prayer. They got alone in an upper room with all the other believers and they began to pray until heaven fell. And the Bible says the world in Acts was turned upside down because of their prayers. You say, what discourages you, pastor? Here's what discourages me. That we can have a thousand people show up at a rally, a thousand, many of them Christians, and have six or seven people show up for a prayer meeting about the exact same thing. You can go down to the parking lot downtown here, and you can get on a bullhorn and you can scream all you want at our mayor, at our MPs, at our premier. Or you can come in here and get on your knees and talk to God. You tell me which has more effect. I said to my wife, I I must have read this passage 30 times today. I just started over and read and read and read. And I said, I "I, I don't want to preach with any agenda that's, that's not my point here this morning. I'm just saying, as the church of the living church of God, we, we must stay on the path. We must stay focused. We must keep following Christ and be a people of prayer, people of sacrifice, a people of self-denial. Listen, I'll tell you this, whenever this is all over, a month from now, six months from now, whatever. I, I, I can almost, I, I guarantee you 100%, God will still be on the throne. And whatever rights we have, it'll be because God gave them to us, not because of our member of parliament or a mayor or a premier. It'll be because of God. So let's keep our focus on Him. Get off the milk, get on some meat. Be a disciple. Sacrifice, surrender daily, daily 
And let's see what God will do. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, speak to our hearts. Lord, it's a message for me, no doubt. In the last year, I've been tossed back and forth wondering what should we do? What steps should we take? Who should we write? Who should we get angry with? Where should we raise our fists in defiance? But Lord, I keep coming back to the Scripture where I find a Savior who gave His life to serve others. And He asks us to do the same. So Lord, I pray that You would help us to, if if we're going to contend for anything, help us to earnestly contend for the faith. Help us to be true to the Word of God. Help us to be disciples that Christ is not ashamed of. And Father, we commit all these things into your hand. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.